Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Dr. History. Good morning, Zeb. Hi, buddy. Beautiful day out there. Yeah, oh, Sun shining. We, we deserve this. We do. Yeah. After last week, yeah, this is great. I had my car, just think 48 hours ago. 48 hours ago, I was sitting there with a bandana and a car heart on. <laughs> I'm telling you, it was cold. <laughs> well, last week, we went up in the mountains uh, uh, Tuesday night, and it snowed up Ooh, over here at Rock Creek. Man, jingle bells, yeah, jingle it was, bells. Uh, but it warmed up. So have, you, have you got some thank yous? I do. I want to say thank you to Ian, who lives in East Brunswick, New Jersey. Really? I've been there. Have you? Yeah. And uh, anyway, he goes for walks every day, and he listens to our show, and he especially liked the one about Little Joe. So Little Joe the Wrangler that he, wasn't. That wasn't Little Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. <Yeah. laughs> so today's app, I'm going to... Step out on a limb. Yeah, you do that quite break. often. You're like an old buzzard anyway. I know it. So I'm going to talk about something which I don't know much about. Oh, this ought to be interesting. Yeah, tobacco. Oh. Okay. okay. And so anyway. Why did you choose this? I don't know. It's just, uh, it's interesting and hopefully educational. So listeners out there, if you have corrections or Thoughts, just get on my webpage and send me an email. This and ought to be really good. Yeah, okay. But, uh, no, it's, I've got some good information here, Zeb. Oh, I'll bet you do. Uh, I do. So yeah. tobacco was first discovered by the Native American people in America and South America, and then they introduced it to Europe and the rest of the world. That's where it started. And archaeological finds indicate that humans in the Americas began using tobacco as far back as 12,300 years ago. Really? And, which is many thousands of years before they thought that it really was. So that's what the archaeologists have found. Did they roll their windows down before they spit? I Probably. Okay. <laughs> Tobacco had already been long used in the Americas by the time the European settlers arrived and took the practice back to Europe, where it became very popular. Now, the eastern North American tribes have historically carried tobacco in pouches as a readily accepted trade item, as well as smoking it in pipe ceremonies. Did you ever figure out, and I mean to, uh, don't mean to take your time, but how they looked at a, pro- a plant or a product and said, oh, gee, we'll call that tobacco and, and we'll start smoking it. Yeah, and they probably didn't call it tobacco. They probably had a na- name for it or something, but, uh, but it was used to trade, you know, like 
bartering, yeah. I guess. Yeah. So, uh, but they would use it in pipe ceremonies, uh, sacred ceremonies, or to seal uh, an agreement or a treaty. So, pipe smoking was a a way of sealing the deal, so to speak. Okay. Why wouldn't they just have started with a bunch of old leaves that fell off the tree? They, they may have oh. and found that didn't work. Yeah, not good. <laughs> well, in addition to its use in spiritual and religious ceremonies, tobacco is also used for medical treatment of physical conditions as a painkiller. It's been used for earache, toothache, uh, occasionally as a poultice. Uh, some have uh, used tobacco as uh, one ingredient in smoking mixtures for treating colds. Usually, it is mixed with leaves of the of the desert sage. Uh, tobacco was also used as a form of currency, as I mentioned, between Native Americans and the colonists from the 1620s. The big leaves. Yeah. Well, I, I guess uh, when I say they used it as a form of currency, I don't know if it was after it was dried and oh. used as you know to smoke or yeah. or yeah maybe as the the large uh, okay. plant. But religion. I can just see him waiting for. Here come Philip Morris. <laughs> oh, we're going to talk about him. Oh, brother. Religious uses of tobacco is still common among the Cree and the another tribe. I don't know how to say this. O J I B W E of Canada. Another o- another Indian a tribe. tribe. <laughs> o O O J B of Canada. Believe me, so, may I just make a suggestion? Don't leave, leave it alone. Just leave. Okay, okay, I will not say that again. Uh, but up in Canada, north central United States, and it is offered to the Creator with prayers and is used in sweat lodges, pipe ceremonies, and is presented as a gift. So it's it, it had a lot of uh, importance among the Native Americans. Hmm. So, but the first Europeans to see tobacco smoked were the sailors of Columbus, and they witnessed ritual smoking procedures in the Caribbean. That's where they first saw it. The Indian practiced a pipe with raw tobacco, set fire to it, and then, according to this article, the shock came. And whoa, I'm whoa, not whoa. Sure. What do you mean by that? I don't know. <laughs> we'll just keep going. How's that? So very early pipes, smoking pipes, had a Y-shaped tip to their stem. The smoker stuck the twin stems up his nose and inhaled. Oh, up his nose? Up his nose. Yeah. After about a half dozen sniffs, he collapsed out cold. <laughs> if you think I'm going to make a comment, I'm yeah, not. Okay. Some unknown genius later decided that it was easier to hold the end of the pipe in the mouth and puff, leaving the hands free. So you didn't have to snuff it up your nose. You're kidding me. So, you know, inventors, they come along. You know, tobacco- Is that where that statement the kids always used to say, up your nose with a dirty hose? I, I don't know. Oh. It could have been. But tobacco had come a long way by the time the great westward push uh, across America began. It was blended, classified, and as often as not, caused uh, uh, cased in, a, uh, uh, in sauces made of various sweetening agents. Wait a minute. They put tobacco in that? Yeah, including honey licorice or fruit juices and many cigars were actually cured in wine which makes for a sweet chew and a mild smoke that i knew about okay yeah all right uh now the frontiersmen smoked a pipe or cigars they chewed or dipped snuff cigarettes were not respectable being considered sissified although others smoked uh corn chuck roll your owns for centuries they can be made easily using dried corn 
they say corn shuck. I would say corn husk, right? Yeah. Corn husk. And bull durum or a similar tobacco rolled up in this corn husk. Some of this stuff sounds pretty powerful. Yeah. So uh, it says you have to hold them together and keep the lit end pointed up. Otherwise, the cigarette will come apart since you can't make a corn shuck stick to itself by licking it like you would a paper, you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, yeah. The end tends to fall off and fall into your lap or wherever. Yeah, that uh, could be very, very disheartening. Yes. Now, snuff. Uh, gentlemen carried their snuff in small boxes, which fit a waistcoat pocket quite nicely. Uh, you can suck on the stuff, chew it, poke it up your nose, or in a pinch, pack a pipe with it and smoke. Now, Zeb, I'm going to show you something. Okay. Look, look at my hand here. Yeah. Okay, see this right here? Yeah, that indentation. You know what that's called? Uh, it's called an indentation. The anatomical snuff box. Wait a minute. Have I got one? Yeah, you do. Oh, yeah, right look. there. So they would put snuff in that little indentation. Let me see yours. See that? Holy cow. Between your thumb, uh, at the upper end of your thumb. I don't have that. By your wrist. Well, you wouldn't be able to do that then. No. <laughs> You'd have to just snuff it. I'm going to be healthier than you. <laughs> That's true. So, anyway, chewing tobacco uh, came in a plew, which is a measurement. Uh, it came in a, a plew, a rope, or a cable twist. It was generally heavily cased. Uh, this was commercial stuff. Of course, and it took a mighty man to chew the raw tobacco. Oh. A plu. Don't swallow. <laughs> don't, don't, yeah. A raw tobacco. See, a plu was originally a beaver skin's value of tobacco. That's what a plu was. But later became what they called a plank of tobacco, about one half inch thick, three inches wide, and 18 inches to three feet long. Wow. You could buy the plu, of course, but most people bought a plug. Okay. Is that what Josie Wales had in the movie? I think so, oh. yeah. That plug, uh, which was a chunk about three inches long, chopped off the plew. And they had a guillotine-like little instrument called a tobacco cutter, and that was a fixture in all the general stores for years. It cut the tobacco and occasionally little children's fingers, because uh, they would stick them in, yeah. uh, not good. Yeah. Uh, You're a, a morbid doctor. A rope was just that, a rope of tobacco wound around a stick and sold by the foot. It could be chewed or shaved and smoked in a pipe. Cable twist was rope twisted over itself with the ends bound together. The average cable contained about as much tobacco as a plug. So not a huge amount. Yeah. You know. So the chewer generally bit off a chew or a chaw by clamping his teeth on it and working it loose, or if he was finicky, he cut off a piece with his knife. Now, most of these chewers didn't use their knives since the casing around the tobacco leaves was kind of a gooey substance. To that, hold it together? Yeah, and and it left a residue on the blade of your knife, and so they didn't like to use their knife to cut it. So, so they, they just, just bit it. So they just take a bite and chew till they got well, I think Josie in the movie, uh, Clint Eastwood, I think he just reached in his pocket and bit off a piece. Yeah, I think, yeah. But it says that very few chewers swallowed the tobacco juice. Oh. And I can't imagine not. Uh, well, you've really you know, upset people's oh, lunch today, yeah. I'll tell you. Now, smokers of cigars didn't have much variety. There were three standard shapes. A panatella called the long nine, a banker or perfecto type, 
a super with a pigtail on the end to hold it together, and a cigarillo, which was a short cigar shaped and smelling like old rope. Now, that first one, you said it was nine inches long? Uh, yeah, the, uh, the long nine, Stan, the Panatella. So wow. uh, this was the original stogie, okay, the, what they called the short stick, uh, short six. This was the original stogie, short for Conestoga. Did you know that? No. From the Conestoga wagons. Really? It's got its name either from the fact that it was the first variety to come west in the big wagons or because wagon drivers preferred it. You know, the Conestoga wagons. Wow. Conestoga. But, so opinions differ as to that. But they sold for about two for a penny. Other cigars ranged from 4 or $5 a thousand and up uh, for domestic brands uh, to 20 or so dollars a thousand for the Cuba-made uh, Havanas. So I guess Cuban cigars were, I guess, the what, the premier, the, the best or something really? like that. I guess, yeah. But cigars, by the way, had a solid, unperforated head. You bit the end off or cut it off with a knife or a cigar cutter, which hung uh, usually on a man's uh, watch chain. Really? So they were dangerous, these little choppers, since they automatically lopped the the end off of anything poked into them. Fingers, cigars, little children's. Did uh, Clint Eastwood and the good, the bad, and the ugly, did, did he smoke a cigarillo? Or what was it? You know, it? he was in one of those that he did smoke, a, yeah. like a long, thin, yeah. uh, probably was that cigarillo. See. Now, pipes, uh, uh, books have been written on each type of pipe ever created, and, you know, there's just a lot of information about them. But they might have been made from clay, porcelain, or something called meerschaum. Oh, those are those big, white, uh, big pipes uh meerschaum pipes yeah it's a it's yeah. a, like made from a mineral like a silicone yeah a silicone. I've, I've seen those there, yeah. some of them are pretty fancy yeah or they could be made from wood or yeah. stone or metal or a corn cob yeah you know porcelain or meerschaum and metal are not very good candidates for the frontiersman's pipe uh porcelain and the meerschaum would shatter easily if you drop them and you know if it hit a rock or something yeah and clay gets hot and it shatters easily but a clay pipe cost about a nickel in the 1800s, and it was available almost anywhere. Wood pipes were cheap or could be carved easily. But wait a minute, wait a minute. If you had a wood pipe, wouldn't it burn up? You know, that's the question that came to my mind when I saw, But they were cheap, so you could go through them. <laughs> they were cheap, uh, and they could be carved easily, but they did get soggy and sour and, as you mentioned, burned out quickly. Uh-huh. Now, Indian pipestone was cheap, uh, and it was available. Uh, anybody with a corn cob, a hollow reed, and a pocket knife could make one. Even if you couldn't make a cob pipe, you could take a tip from the Cheyennes and use the aorta from a buffalo's heart as a tobacco pipe. Where did they come up with all this stuff? I don't know. Now, that kind of sounds sickening a little bit, but apparently it worked yeah. because the burnt aorta band of the northern Cheyenne, Cheyenne got the name from this practice. Now, I had never heard of the burnt aorta band of Indians. Evidently, have you? I haven't either. No. Now, pipe tobacco came in, came in just about as many varieties as it does today. The uh, granulated, ribbon cut, shag cut, chunk cut were popular. Careful, careful. <laughs> And this was solid pipe tobacco, which came in plugs, rope, cable, twist, or chewing tobacco. It was a big deal, wasn't it? It was. Um, 
So, and then plug tobacco was shaved into the pipe with a pocket or pen knife. And you can approximate this by drawing unwrapped chewing tobacco in the sun for about 10 days, then shaving it, which I'm not going to do. Uh, actually, plug, rope, and cable twist pipe tobacco were the most popular types. They did not pulverize when carried for long distances in a pants pocket. That's what I was going to ask you about transporting all this tobacco. Yeah. Uh, but cigarettes reached a popular acceptance after the Civil War. Uh, they carried it in a, a little Muslim sack, uh, and Bull Durham uh, attached the little packet of papers, you know, so they could roll their own. Uh, and the name and the picture of a bull came from Durham's Mustard, which was an English product. The original papers were the brown kind called wheat straw, not those white papers that you see on TV where they roll up a white one. Really? Originally, it was this brown kind of paper-like stuff. But of all the imitators of Bull Durham, including Dime Durham, Pride of Durham, Duke of Durham, and dozens more, only Duke's mix- mixture seems to have weathered the storm. Uh, they have these little tin cans. You know, yeah, and then it went on to be famous as a movie. Bull, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, okay, where was I? <laughs> <laughs> With Bull Durham. <laughs> yeah, th- then you got the Walter Raleigh, the Prince Albert. Uh, That's what my dad used to smoke in his pipe. Prince Albert? Prince Albert. You know, my father-in-law smoked a pipe, and it really had a night, a pleasant smell. It was a good smell, yeah. 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 But most tobacco was carried uh, in the containers. It came in at first. But the paper boxes uh, in the days before foil and wax paper didn't last long, uh, in summer particularly. Uh, leather pouches, seldom with rubber liners and never with zippers, which weren't even invented, uh, came in early. But uh, little silver or hard leather canteens were used in the far southwest and all along the border. And they seemed to have come out of Mexico. You had to have a way to preserve the tobacco and stuff, yeah. so it didn't uh, yeah. get wet or whatever. But Nothing worse than a soggy pipe. That's right. Tailor-mades, or tight rolls, uh, didn't get a boost in this country until the Philadelphia Centennial Expedition of 1876. And I'm not sure what a tailor-made or a tight roll is, unless that's just an actual cigarette. You got Does me. Does that sound? You've got okay. me. I don't know. Help me out, folks, if uh, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm I, not a tobacco. I tried to look it up, and I couldn't even oh, find it. Okay. But, uh, you know, the, uh, after World War I, uh, you know, things, they weren't really socially accepted until the late 1920s, uh, cigarettes. Really? Roll Your Owns have continued in popularity to the present and this article is taken from Frontier Times in 1964. Hmm. So uh, I don't think Roll Your Owns are even available today. I don't know. I don't know. I've seen some old timers roll their Still own cigarettes. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, hand building a smoke is no means, uh, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a trick uh, being able to do it. Um, and most handmaids, they say, are thinner than a small pencil and have a twist at each end to hold them together, uh, along with the famous lick down the paper. Yep. Real yep. experts can build yep. a cigarette of the same length and diameter as a standard, regular size tailor-made, or I guess uh, uh, regular cigarette. Yeah. And all handmade smokes are called quirlies. Quirlies? Quirlies. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I had never heard that term before. Huh. And, uh, you know, you see pictures of these cowboys up on their horse and, yep. you know, rolling and, and yep. licking and with one hand, you know, yeah. almost. But granulated tobacco rolls best, but has a tendency to dribble out the lit end along with the fire, 
with disastrous results for clothes, furniture, or bare skin. Yeah, buddy. Ribbon-cut tobacco doesn't have this at disadvantage, but it's harder to roll. Did they smoke at nudist colonies? <laughs> Zeb, I'm not even going to answer that. <laughs> and to finish up our uh, today, pipes, cigars, cigarettes, snuff, chewing tobacco, take your pick, the old-timers dipped, puffed, or chewed with equal vigor. <laughs> Where did we go from there, Zeb? Well, I guess, uh, well, you never did answer my question. And I'm not going to. (laughs) Okay. I'm done. Okay. We're toast. (laughs) Yes. We burned up the pipe. We've we've lost all of our listeners. I'm sorry, but inquiring minds wanted to know. Well, some inquiring minds, (laughs) not mine. Uh, uh, you so that's have a, the story of tobacco uh, <laughs> in the Old West. There and, you go. Uh, you know, uh, the sad thing is that, you know, with the the knowledge we have now about tobacco, you know, and chewing, yeah. you know, it, yeah. obviously the health risks are there, the yeah. chewing, you know, the cancers that come from from chewing. And uh, I remember years ago, I, you know, as a physician, I did a lot of physicals for athletes. And I had a young boy come in for a football physical. And uh, he had a, I went to uh, have him open his mouth so I could check his throat. And he had a chew of tobacco between his lip and his gum. And I said, what in the heck have you got there? And I knew what it was. And he says, well, he said, my brother says that all, all uh, athletes, all uh, uh, baseball players chew tobacco. I said, they do not. And I, I just ra- kind of railed on him. Yeah, you know. Said, no. Well, and you probably, in all honesty, saved his life. Well, I, yeah. I would hope I got the message yeah. across to Absolutely. him. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Doctor History, uh, even though you were afraid to discuss that one question, I thank you very much on your history and walkthrough of tobacco. You're, thank you so you're much. You're very welcome. <laughs> Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.